What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Morgan Meyer on today's episode. I'm super excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Morgan, I'm just going to throw it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, And I told Shelly earlier, but I do have a cold, so you'll have to bear with me. Um, So where everyone else starts, I met my husband um, January of 2015. Um, we started dating in March. Um, he like he we moved in together pretty quickly, and then like we got a dog. I think three months later, so things moved pretty fast. Um, we got engaged April of 2016, and then got married August of 2017. So we've been married for just a little over two years. Um, so we pushed our honeymoon back. We wanted to wait to start trying after our honeymoon Um, because we were going to Jamaica super paranoid about like Zika and all of that Mm -hmm. so January of 2018 we went on our honeymoon um, got back got off birth control February of 2018 so just kind of started passively trying at that point just kind of seeing what happens and then um I always kind of knew that I'd have trouble getting pregnant. So I had went to my OB who is wonderful and asked her like, Hey, like maybe we should look for some like PCOS, see if anything's going on. My periods are super, super irregular. Um, Ruled that out. I do have quite a few symptoms, but um, ruled it out basically. So we, from February, it was, it was about nine months. And so went back into my doctor and she put me on Clomid. And then, so November of 2018, I, I had taken <clears throat> the five days of Clomid and then found out I was pregnant right away after that. So it happened really fast. Um, so December 5th, Yes, December 5th, I found out I was pregnant for the first time. Um, And then that same exact day, we found out that my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So it was like the craziest emotional roller coaster ever. Um, I ended up, we told her the next day that I was pregnant. She was so cute. She was like a little kid. Um, And... So her prognosis was really, really good. So we got lucky there. And so January 3rd, I went in for my eight-week ultrasound. And we were were excited. And I didn't think I'd cry through this. Um, We were excited, but the whole whole evening before I cried, I was was scared of something. Um, So we went in. And they couldn't find anything. And my doctor told me it was a blighted ovum. 
And so I had a lot of trouble with that because it's like, okay, so was I, was I really pregnant? And of the girls, I'm in some really great blighted ovum groups, but I've heard a lot of the girls say that there's this theory that the baby just got like reabsorbed into your body. So that's kind of like what I went with because as soon as I saw those first, that first positive pregnancy test, I became a mom. Like it, it wasn't after I saw the heartbeat after any of that, cause I never got to see a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so January 3rd, we found out that it was the blighted ovum and I wasn't spotting. I wasn't cramping, nothing. I just had very, very limited symptoms. Like my boobs hurt a little bit. Um, it was a little bit crampy, but nothing too bad. No real nausea or anything like that. So <clears throat> January 11th, the day after my mom's surgery, I had my first DNC. Um, my mom couldn't be there, obviously, because she was still in the hospital. So that was really, really hard. And then um, they tell you not to have sex for two weeks or anything after. So, you know, following those rules, we didn't. And then we found out I was pregnant exactly a month after my DNC. So went in, got my blood work done. My numbers were were not as good as the first one. They were going up, but not great. Um, and then they they doubled. They didn't double, and then they started going down. I want to say I don't remember exactly how that went. Um, so then I started miscarrying with that one shortly after. I they did put me on progesterone because my progesterone was a little bit low. Um, so we did the, <clears throat> oh, and during this time we were buying a house during my second miscarriage. So, oh, goodness. Just a yeah, lot. It was really <laughs> insane year. Um, <clears throat> we did the basic um, recurrent miscarriage panel. Everything came back normal, but that is very, very basic. Um, so we did wait one month before we started trying again, got pregnant right away. So my numbers were looking great. They like more than doubled with this third pregnancy. And then um, it, it was weird. Like, so before I found out I was pregnant, I had this like itchy bump on my skin. So then that started to spread. It started to get bigger. And I'm like, oh, I switched laundry detergents. I'm having allergic reaction. Um, my husband started getting really worried. And he's like, okay, you need to go to urgent care. So I went into urgent care and they diagnosed me with what's called, I probably won't say this right, but pitoriasis rosea, which is just like an internal virus. It's not from anything. Um, so of course I have to Google that. And it said that it caused, that it could cause miscarriage. So at that moment I'm like, okay, I'm going to miscarry again. Um, so that night I called the on-call doctor just sobbing and she pretty much told me not to, not to worry, but of course I was worried. Um, so I'm trying to see where I'm at. So I want to say, I don't know, maybe a couple, a couple weeks after that, I had my first ultrasound and again, it was another blighted ovum. Um, and so during this time, um, my friend had actually had a brain aneurysm. So 
the the day the day before my last confirmation that it was a miscarriage um she passed away um so I'm in the ultrasound room and like knowing that my friend had just passed away knowing that I'm miscarrying and so all this stuff is going on um well I I had a DNC scheduled for for June 14th and so June 11th at after her funeral is when I started spotting it um it quickly went to like a full-blown period and then I was I was miscarrying naturally basically and it was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced physically and but I, I still ended up getting the DNC because I was still having contractions that morning. And my doctor's just amazing. Like she came down to the ultrasound room and walked me up to the surgery. She's, she's just so wonderful. And so we've taken a break since then. And we've seen my, um, re the reproductive endocrinologist. Mm -hmm. and we found out that I have a, a septum or a heart-shaped uterus. Um, there's endometriosis in there, and then I have two blood clotting issues. So I have surgery scheduled for October 14th, and then I'll need to, after that, I'll need to start a baby aspirin every day and get Lovenox injections when I'm pregnant. So we, we learned a lot of information. Um, I don't know, I just remember during the first the first miscarriage like that that ripped my soul out like yeah. I, it, it took my breath away definitely and I I just cried every day for months and I didn't know how it was gonna go on and I was like I don't know how people have multiple miscarriages and keep going yet here I am I was like but then you did yeah and and, and you do. I think you just mm -hmm. like you just do what you have to do. I mean, mm -hmm. I've, I've had some things said to me about like, you know, like how, how long do you think you would do this to yourself? And I, I mean, I, I want to be a mom more than anything. Mm -hmm. So I guess my answer is that like, I, I guess I'll know my limit if I get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Or as, lo it's, as long as it takes for most of us, you know, right. Like, absolutely. You know, and, you and have a, my husband had asked me too, and I'm like, I don't know if there is a limit. Mm -hmm. I just don't know that there is. Um, yeah, and I just, with the second one, I also had a feeling, and, and I feel like you just kind of know, but at the same time, after, after you have one, it's, that innocence is gone. For sure. And I think that's, that's been one of the hardest parts for me is, is knowing that I'll never, I'll never just get that ignorance and, and bliss of it. Mm -hmm. I, I know, I know what the outcome is too, too many times for myself. Mm -hmm. It's a very robbed feeling. That's the only way to explain it. Yes, absolutely. And, and just of everything too. I mean, I'm, I'm still most definitely at that point where I'm, I'm bitter and I'm, I'm very envious of others and, you know, I, I don't want to hear about how your nausea is so bad. 
Girl, um, I'm still, I'm bitter too. I'm still yes. bitter. I don't think it goes away. <laughs> well, good to know because I'm just like, okay, I would do anything to be puking just once a day. Like, yeah, you know, it, I, I prayed for morning sickness. Like who does that? But I prayed for morning sickness mm-hmm. because I just, Absolutely. For, for some reason in my head, I'm like, okay, if I get sick, it means that this baby's healthy. Mm-hmm. If I get sick, it means it's going to be okay. When all, in all reality, like that's not necessarily the truth. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm definitely, I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely still very. Babies are hard for me. Pregnant women are hard for me. So, and and I'm so I'm a therapist, also a mental health therapist. Um, so I've seen, I've seen many many individuals who take their baby so for granted and just don't you know and I'm like I would do anything for that and yeah how's that yes yeah how's that like when you're listening to that and you're just like okay I would love that (laughs) you Um, know it has been really really hard like there's been times where you know I, I hold myself together at work and I get through it and then I get my car and cry because it's mm-hmm. just, it's so, it, it's so just raw for me. Yeah. You know, I, I would, I would give anything for that. It's kind of like that, that comment that you get from a lot of parents who um, are like, well, enjoy your sleep now. And it's like, right. you enjoy your no sleep because right. I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> we pray for sleepless nights. We pray for all the, just all the good, bad and ugly that other people complain about Mm -hmm. yeah it really gives you a new perspective and honestly I'm very grateful for that um because I didn't have that beforehand I don't know if you feel the same way but I that's the that's like the one thing that I'm very grateful for for going through everything it's just like it gave me a whole new outlook of things yes yes no I totally agree because I I, I feel like I'm I'm supposed to be a voice for others. So I'm very, mm-hmm. very open about my journey, like on, on Facebook, Instagram, all of that. I'm very mm-hmm. open about it because I know so many are not. Yeah. I love that. I feel like we're 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 turning a corner. Yes. And like it's becoming less hush hush. And right. I'm like I just think that that's so cool. So I so appreciate you being like a part of that. I have one uh, question for you, just like off of your story, finding out that you have like a heart-shaped uterus, endometriosis, Mm -hmm. and the blood clotting issues, was that a relief for you? Or was that like a, because I know that's like one feeling that's really odd for a lot of us is like, we obviously don't want anything to be wrong with us, but at the same time, it's like, please be something wrong so we can figure this out. Right. Like I told my husband that going in there, my biggest fear was that they were going to be like, well, everything's fine. Keep trying. And I'm like, okay, everything's not fine. Everything's not fine. So I think in a way it definitely was a big relief for me because they're like, okay, we have a plan. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I needed was a plan. Yep. Because you can't, you can't make a plan off. Everything's good. I know. It's awful. <laughs> I, like, I cannot, I, I can't even imagine that. Like, I'm, I'm, like you said, like, I'm not happy that things are wrong with me. Yeah. 
but I'm happy that there's a solution to why I keep miscarrying. Yeah. Like you're not happy you have to go get surgery, right? (laughs) Yeah. This isn't going to be fun for me. But I'm hoping, and I'm sure you're hoping obviously that like you said, this is the answer. And honestly, game plans bring so much hope. So I know what you're feeling right now. Like you're probably, you probably have a little extra hope than you had before, which is really, really nice to have when you're going through reoccurrent miscarriage. Like so nice to have, because it's very easy to lose that hope and without a game plan, especially. Uh, If you had one piece of advice for somebody listening who's in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, okay. So I, I kind of have, it's two part. So definitely just talk to somebody, whether, whether it's a therapist, a friend who gets it, a parent, like just somebody like, don't keep it in because this is not a journey that you should go through alone. Um, and advocate for yourself and find Find a team of, of doctors, of specialists, of whoever who are going to work for you and, and find, find out how you can achieve what you want. Yeah. How did you get referred to your reproductive endocrinologist? Like, did you just um, do it or did your doctor refer you? So I, like, I had talked with her because we've got a very good just working relationship. She's awesome. And I had asked her, like, after my third one, if she thinks it's time. And she's like, yeah, I do. She's like, I think um, I, I think that they can do more than I can do. And I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Like, who is good? Because with my insurance, we don't need referrals. So she's like, well, you know, you can do your own research. Um, IVF of Michigan is the most common around here. So I, I actually had two appointments scheduled. And I canceled one just because I heard that he pushes IVF more than other doctors. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not there yet. Like, there's something else. I'm not there yet. So I found this doctor um, about an hour away from us who, like, literally the first day, they did a 3D ultrasound on me and started with, like, the testing. So it was really cool. And that's, that's what I wanted. So I pretty much did my own research on it. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's like, I think it takes a lot for a doctor to be like, I can't help you anymore. You yes. know what I mean? Um, and so sometimes you gotta really like push for it too. So right. but, like everyone listening, make sure you listen to the episode with modern fertility. Cause I had a reproductive endocrinologist on and she oh. said, she said after two, so like okay. everyone listening, like if you've had to push for it, because yeah. I waited, I yep, waited till four actually. Oh my um, god! Yeah, that's that's when my doctor was finally like, okay, <laughs> like I can't, I don't know what else to do with you. <laughs> right. But it's like we got to be our own advocate. Yes. And I think that's exactly what you did. And I, you know, I wish I would have done it sooner. Right. So. Right. Um, well, I'm really excited for you to, I know that sounds really weird, but to have your surgery. <laughs> no, my, I am too. And actually like right now I'm like, oh my God, I need to get healthy for my surgery. Cause obviously you can't have surgery when you're sick. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I need to like, I need to do everything to fight this. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm trying yeah. everything. And so is this surgery for your endometriosis? So it is for everything basically. Okay. So they're going to go in and 
see how large the septum is because it was only measuring about five millimeters. Okay. But it's not, so the test they had done, the saline sonogram is not a real accurate measurement for that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it may be quite a bit larger. So if it's over 10 millimeters, they will repair it. Okay. And then, um, yes, they'll fix any endometriosis that might be like impeding anything, which I mm-hmm. think there is. I mean, like my left ovary is behind my uterus. And I'm pretty sure it always has been because in any of the other notes, it says like left ovary not found. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're thinking that maybe there's some endometriosis that's leaving it like attached there. Okay. So they would fix that too. Okay. Yeah. And and they say you're super fertile after that surgery. So. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I heard. It's just like kind of cleaning everything out. Yeah. You know what I mean? But. Um, so I wish you the best of luck and Thank I will be so following much. along and is the best way to reach you Instagram for all the listeners. Um, yeah, that would work. Okay. Just, you know, if somebody wants to connect and just relate and whatnot, yeah. that's, that's what this podcast is for. So you guys reach out and, um, yeah, connect, absolutely. follow along. And like she said, she's super open about it too, yes. which is great. So we, we all appreciate that. And thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. I hope you feel better soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me and dealing with my voice. Of course. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.